So we're continuing in Sermon on the Mount. We had a great um, uh, pause last week to hear Tim Zulker talk about church planning, some of the nuts and bolts of church planning up in New England. And uh, we got to see um, that wonderful video of the, the um, small army of um, PCF alums who are, are around the world doing various forms of global ministry work, um, theological education, doctors, uh, refugee work, church planters, all of the above, all in one sometimes. And we'll, but we return today to um, uh, Matthew chapter 5 and the Sermon on the Mount, a famous sermon, if you will, the most famous sermon, if you will, that Jesus, um, that we have recorded in the Gospels um, from our Lord. It's in chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, well worth working through many, many times in your life. It starts with the Beatitudes. And that's been our focus, the character of the Christian. That's how we think about the Beatitudes, the character of a Christian. And uh, we come to the, the, the seventh um, of those today. And I'm just going to read the passage again and um, talk about blessed are the peacemakers. So follow along with me as I read the scripture. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Let me just pray briefly as we'd launch into this. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be with us so that we might uh, have insight into your word, that we might be convicted by it, transformed by it, respond to it, and live it out by the work of your spirit. We pray that especially as we consider this um, promise that blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so blessed are the peacemakers. Um, this is the second half of the Beatitudes turns very much to exhortation. The first half, it lays this groundwork, poor in spirit, mourn, those who are humble, those who recognize their need, those who repent uh, over their own sin, the meek, um, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. It turns in the second half to um, more exhortations, like to, be, to show mercy to others, blessed are the merciful, uh, to be pure in heart, to pursue uh, righteousness and sanctification, to be peacemakers, and then a promise to those who are persecuted. This is we'll turn to next week, those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And so tonight we talk about making peace and being children of God. So let's talk about that a little bit. What is, um, the, uh, is there a relationship conflict in your life right now that's unresolved? What is that? If you take a moment and consider where in your life is there conflict today? Maybe with family member, a sibling, a parent, maybe with friends, maybe in a romantic relationship. Where is there conflict uh, unresolved today? Where is there a need for peacemaking today in your life? And a second aspect of that, just answering, where are you now? Um, when was the last time you resolved a conflict? 
where there was a difficulty and a disagreement, maybe even anger or bitterness, and you work through that with another person. And you, you were brought through that all the way to peace. Have you, have you had that experience of reconciliation or of peacemaking in your own life? Maybe a third aspect to that question. Have you played that role as a mediator in a conflict between two other people or more than that in a conflict between others? A conflict in, again, maybe in your family, maybe in your friendship circles. Um, as, as people grow older, we often say it may be in a workplace situation. Have you played that role, a mediating role, a peacemaking role, an encouraging role, an, an accountability role, maybe? And I, I don't know. I don't know where you are. I, I'm sure we're in many different places. Some, some of us even here on this call tonight might feel, well, I had a very healthy family, or at least a conflict-avoiding family, and uh, so I don't know <laughs> who I'm at war with now. I, mean, I could just be because we're oblivious to who we've offended. Um, but you may, you may be blessed with great peace, and and, and you know, it's possible that uh, you haven't uh, been forced to. Uh, work through uh, those kinds of difficult relationships or to play that role of helping others in peacemaking. But it's more likely, I think, and much more common that we can reflect and say, yes, I can see here is a relationship right now today that is hard. COVID is certainly amplifying that. We're in close quarters. Whoever we're living with, we're in close quarters with. And any problems are magnified. And uh, relatively few of us, even if we have many examples of relationships where we'd say, yes, there's no peace there, there are few of us probably who would say, well, there, but we worked through it and there was reconciliation. But some of you maybe have that. You've been blessed by that. You'll be able to tell, share testimonies and stories of how God has worked in your life to, to make peace. And some of you even, and there is this pressure, especially on the campus and conflicts among, room, among roommates, you know, it's that classic junior year, you finally live with all your close friends and you finally discover each other's faults. And so some of you, and hopefully by the end of junior year or the start of senior year, you learn to do some conflict resolution. Some of you I know for sure can, can testify to that, learning that hard skill um, of engaging in conflict resolution, even even there we say among people on this call right now. Um, so I know you're not all strangers to peacemaking. I know however uh, peaceable we may try to present our lives as being, though I don't know, in the social media age, people have given that up to some degree. We, lit, we air our drama out um, in public, but however peaceable we may, um, of a face we may put on our lives, we know there's a lot of difficulty. And we know it's coming as well. I remember this is at Stonehill Church, uh, Pastor Tracy, Tracy Troxell, he, you know, I mean, he would preach year after year like, oh, if your small group, your church Bible study has not had terrible conflict and difficulty in it, you know, it's coming. I heard him, I've heard him say that many times. You know, we went years, I mean, uh, you know, Christine and I in our small group, we had like a, ten, I don't know how many years it was, year after year. And we were like, that's not true of us. Our, our small group is harmonious. We have no difficulty. Well, that ended one year in spectacular fashion. We had to do some really serious peacemaking and, you know, dealing with problems and, and you know, you name it. 
And so I, I blame I blame him for that. It's his preaching that made that happen. <laughs> no, I mean, it's human sin that made that happen. We are not at peace. It is not our default to be at peace with each other. It's not our default to be at peace with God. Only through the blood of Christ can we be reconciled to God. Can we be at peace with God? Can we have the ministry of reconciliation to bring others to be reconciled to God? But we are not naturally at peace with each other. We know this. You should know this about yourself. And so here's a second diagnostic. You know, I started a diagnostic. Where are you right now in your life in terms of conflicts, relationships, uh, mediate role as mediator? This is a second area of diagnosis I want to do right now, which is uh, how do you approach conflict? Where do you, how do you come at it? What's your, what's, what's your default? They're very different. People, people come from very, very different perspectives. Uh, Christine and I, my wife, uh, we discovered this when we were da- dating. Well, really engaged. We didn't really have a conflict until we were, we saved that all up for engagement and marriage. And, um, you know, and so we, uh, uh, we just had totally different styles um, of engaging in conflict. You know, Christina was like, blissfully happy with me I, you know i should i should try to pull her up here so she 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 can assure you i'm not throwing her under the bus 97% of the time she was blissfully happy with me but then things all of a sudden you know there would be some days where she was just very unhappy with me and then it would disappear the next day i didn't know what to do with that i had never encountered that i'd be like she'd be like oh well that's fine so i'll dealt with you know and i'd just be sitting there brooding <laughs> moody and she'd be like, what's wrong? I'm like, we just had that whole thing yesterday. And she'd be like, oh, yes, oh. And uh, the, we, we had to come from very different perspectives. And uh, uh, she, again, if I can just share from, from our own lives, you know, her, her approach was more to um, avoid, and this, this came from her family, to avoid, not to, she didn't have a framework for reconciling those kinds of conflicts to avoid, but it was still there. This is what she would say. She has this amazing skill to take difficult things, very difficult things in her life and put them in a box. That's the phrase she uses, but it's still there in that box. And it doesn't get better just because you put it in a box. It gets worse. It festers. And um, me, I was, I'm much more of a confrontational person. I think I'm pretty sure. And I was happy to talk things through at great length, but then also to brood on them and to dwell on them. And so actually there's been a sort of a beautiful process in our marriage of me pulling her to address things and her pulling me not to brood on them and to move past things. But where, how do you come at it? Are you a conflict avoider? Are you a conflict avoider? Or alternatively, are you the kind of person who avoids conflict but builds it up? And then it explodes. Alternatively, maybe you're coming from the other side of the spectrum and you're, you're a confrontational person. Maybe you cause a lot of conflict. Anyone who talks a lot um, will cause conflict sooner or later. I recommend silence, total silence, <laughs> as, the, as the way to not produce conflict. I've never mastered that. Um, uh, not even close, but maybe you're a confrontational person. You bring things up, you spur it. Maybe even you seek out conflict and you thrive on it. I was having this discussion we were having. It was uh, 
you know, some weeks ago, the first presidential debate and some of this is our, our we, uh, we, we lead a host a grad Bible study while well, zoom hosts these days, a grad Bible, one of our grad PCF Bible studies on Tuesday night. And the, the debate was happening that night. And that, you know, a group of them from, you know, a variety of political perspectives, they were watching it together, the debate together. And I said, Oh, well, that's brave. That's a real test of your Christian character and unity to watch this particular presidential debate together. And one of them said, Oh, well, it's fun. And I said, fun, there is nothing fun about and I didn't watch the debate, but I hear I'm correct in assessing that there was nothing fun about it. It's a deadly serious issue, but often we're drawn. This is, we, we, we treat, we treat uh, politics, that's a, a common thing. We treat it like we're watching boxing. Let's just watch these people slug it out. And we treat our relationships that way. We treat our families that way. We treat our roommates that way sometimes. Some of us are like moths to the flame of conflict. And we, we, we relish it even as it harms us. So where are you? Conflict avoidance, confrontational? Do you seek out? Do you stir, stir the pot? Are you a, alternatively, are you a simmer and then explode? What's the alternative? What is the vision for peacemaking? This is the command on the, to the children of God. Those who are the children of God by the blood of Jesus have a command and a calling to be peacemakers. It follows, it's down, uh, these Beatitudes are reiterated in the teaching that follows in chapter 5. And so if you jump down, if you have a Bible in chapter 5, verse 23, so in the context, Jesus is speaking about anger. He says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Right? First be reconciled. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard. Christina, my wife, who's a lawyer, well, former lawyer, always settle, <laughs> never take it to trial. Um, that's, it's Jesus said, always settle, never take it to trial. Come to terms with your accuser. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. We do this right. Uh, we examine our hearts whenever we partake of communion, the Lord's Supper. What do we do? We're taught, we're commanded to examine our hearts. And so you always, you should always have that sense, you know, uh, as you, before you partake of the bread and the cup, like, who am I unreconciled to? <laughs> Here I am coming to the table of the Lord. Who am I unreconciled to today? And uh, go run and be reconciled to them. And so what equips us? What's the vision? A vision that's not avoiding conflict, that's not thriving on it, that's not stoking it. What is, how do we make peace? How do we be reconciled? How can you and I grow to be people who are not merely not initiators of conflict, um, but those who can resolve it? Not merely our own conflicts, but those who can help others, help our brothers and sisters, help um, uh, people with whom we're in relationship, help them to be at peace. Well, how can we do that? First, fundamentally, only by the grace of God. Because here's the hard thing. You know this. If you have a deep bitterness in your life, you're angry, you're simmering over something someone has done to you. Maybe I've even just sparked your, your, your brain on like negative thought ways. I've asked you to reflect uh, and uh, uh, introspect on areas where you're unreconciled. It's possible right now you're stewing with anger. Many a time I myself 
that's where I was during listening to messages like this. It's like I start rehearsing my grievances, whatever that was at that particular time in my life. How can we be reconciled? Rather, as Christians, if we're followers of Jesus Christ, we should ask, how can we not be reconciled? How can we not be reconciled to others? If Christ has died for me, if he has paid the price for my sin, if I am forgiven, if I have been bought with the price, the price of his life, how can I not be reconciled to my brother, to my sister, to my parents, to my roommates? You, I, I, want, I want to leave you fundamentally, first and foremost, with that deep sense of you are compelled, commanded, if you are, call yourself a Christian, you are commanded to be reconciled to others, to seek that reconciliation, to be an agent of peace. You are commanded to it, and you are empowered to do it. Not through your own power, but through the Holy Spirit working in you. And to go out, there's later in Matthew, in chapter 18, there's a conflict resolution system uh, thrown in. And uh, I'm just going to throw you out the Peacemaker's Pledge. You can click on that link. Um, this some, give you some practical resources. We did this at Stonehill Church for many years. I've been involved in this kind of process many times. The Peacemaker's Pledge. There's a whole process in Matthew 18. If you have a problem with someone, you go to them first and foremost directly, one-on-one, -on -one, in private, and talk to them about it. How many times, like when you have a conflict with someone, it, the first thing you do is talk to them in private to try to air it out. Has anyone ever done that? <laughs> How many hours are spent complaining to someone else before we come around to talking to the person in question? Right? I can't tell you how many times it's like people, it's like they hear it through the walls in the dorms, the person who's angry at them talking to their roommate about it. Like beware of how thin the walls are. <laughs> you go and you talk to the person one-on-one. -on -one. If that doesn't work, if you can't be reconciled, then you bring others into it. So there's a place you need to seek wisdom and wise counsel from someone who can help to equip you, help you to be at peace someone who is a peacemaker, someone who can bring biblical wisdom into the situation, who can help talk you down. I had this great moment with my kids. I should never, I'm going to break a cardinal rule of, of uh, ministry, and I'm going to share an illustration from my children. Because Christina Ray said, we, we, you know, we, we observed this in our girls uh, the other night, two nights ago. And so Alexa, they're five and eight, cute, cute as can be, for those of you who haven't met them. And uh, so Alexa says to Sophia, this is the, uh, this is they're going to bed. And she says to Sophia, she wants Sophia to join her uh, in the bathroom, right? To go, you know, to, to uh, keep her company. That's, that's the phrase. It's not something I've ever asked someone to do to keep me company in the bathroom, but for my girls, it's a normal thing. And, uh, and Sophia says, but you didn't, you didn't go with keep me company earlier. And, but then Sophia stops herself and she says, but uh, uh, I've learned to repay good for evil. <laughs> and then she stops herself and she says, not that this is evil. <laughs> and that, and you know, I'm just waiting as a father, like, do I need to speak in? Okay, no, 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 she said the right thing. Oh, do I need to speak in? No, no, she said, and then they go off and it, you know, it was all good. And, you know, we see there in, in microcosm, like our conflicts, you know, we have expectations that we want, we want to make demands on others, but we're selfish. You know, we don't do unto others as they do to us. Uh, we don't love our neighbor as ourself. And so, and then we're angry. And when we're angry about something, we escalate. 
right? We go straight to like, you did evil to me. <laughs> and even if it's a small thing, we go all the way up. And what do we need to do? What we need to do is we need to de-escalate and we need to let God speak into it. And then also, that's the, you know, not that this is evil and we need to then show grace. And Sophia went with Alexa, regardless of the fact that Alexa's was not reciprocating earlier. And in that we've de-escalated and we've shown grace. And what enables you and I to show grace is because grace has been shown to us. Draw on that inexhaustible reservoir of Holy Spirit power of gospel grace to enable you to be reconciled to each other. I mean, where would, where would we be if we didn't have that deep sense of forgiveness, the thanks, the thankful hearts that come from I've been forgiven far worse things. How on earth could we be reconciled to others? How could we deescalate? How could we show grace? But again, in Christ, how can we not show grace? How can we not deescalate? Now I, I, I want to say just now, of course, these are small things. We, we have to practice this. This is like a muscle, you know, peacemaking. This is so much more valuable of a gifting to cultivate in your life than anything you will learn in class, right? On this hinges the success of all your relationships for the rest of your life. Even, I mean, it's fundamental to our spiritual life and our relationship with the Lord that we be uh, poor in spirit, that we be able to, to mourn over our own sin, that we be able to be meek, that we're able to lay aside our gift of the altar and go be reconciled to someone else one-on-one -on -one directly, to bring it up, up to them in a straightforward way. But, you know, I, I just want to be honest with you. You know, it's like not everything is easy to resolve. And uh, peacemaking, there's the, Paul gives the exhortation in, in uh, Romans, insofar as, as it is within your power, be at peace with everyone. And on the one hand, that's powerful. He's just writing, you know, a check on our lives, like be at peace with everyone. There is a recognition insofar as it is within your power. And so I do want to say, uh, and there, a whole long discussion could be had about this. You can be in conflicts where there is no reconciliation. I will say there is no true forgiveness without repentance. Uh, we have a way of speaking culturally, and there, there's some great beauty to this. Like when you're, uh, someone has done de terrible harm to you and you haven't been able to reconcile in any satisfying way, or even if they're repentant sometimes, it, the hurt is still there, right? The harm is still there. And often we, we encourage each other you know, to, to, to forgive unilaterally. I, I prefer the term surrender it to the Lord. God will judge. And he has judged Christ for your sins. And so surrender it to the Lord and depend on him. And in that surrender, in that dependence, you are able, I would say, to, to, to go forward, able to show grace even to someone who is persistent in unrepentant mistreatment of you. It's not to say there aren't appropriate times to step back from a relationship. Please, if you're in any kind of uh, relationship in your life right now, that kind of abusive relationship, talk to one, you know, one, of, one of the staff. We have lots of experience, personal experience, a lot of counseling experience in those kinds of hard situations. Not to say that there aren't places that you're obligated to take abuse year in and year out, but you have power in the gospel to, to surrender it to the Lord and to move forward, even to show grace to someone who truly is your enemy, who truly is your enemy, who truly treats you in a hateful way. And for that no longer to have a hold on you and power on you. 
But that is only found, that power is only found if you are surrendered to Christ, trusting in him for your salvation. Have a deep sense that you are not your own, but you were bought with a price. And then in your relationships, your peacemaking, you're spending that uh, 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 power that comes from God, that grace, you're extending it. What, what has filled you up, you then overflows from your life and can enable you to be at peace with others, to make peace, to be bold when you need to be bold, to draw you out if you're, if you're afraid to confront and to be able to confront, to go to someone, to talk to them directly, to be able, even if your habits, to just blow up, to be able to speak calmly when you never think you would speak calmly. Alternatively, to pull you back if you're a conflict stirrer and to help you to be wiser in your speech, to consider its impact on others, to listen when there's conflict and to resolve it quickly before you get dragged into court, uh, literal or metaphorical. To no longer be addicted to um, the anger or the bitterness or the drama, but rather to be someone who drains it out of a community, right? Who has negative drama. I said this, this is my mother. My mother just drains drama out of a community, right? It can be happening all around her. This is a calm, godly presence, a wise words in season to diffuse and to draw people back to the Lord and to the word. So where are you? What are you struggling with tonight? What's the difficult relationship? Talk, talk over it with someone who can bring in wisdom, not in a gossipy way, but with someone who can bring wisdom and then be, pray over it. And then as the Lord leads, what are ways in which you can move that relationship forward in peace or to help your friends to move their difficult, hard relationships forward in peace, inner peace and relational peace. Amen. Let me, let me close this in prayer. Close, close this part in prayer. Heavenly Father, we pray uh, that you would be working our hearts. We thank you that uh, through uh, the cross, we have been reconciled to you. We can approach you with confidence, unashamed, forgiven, uh, joyful, and I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would uh, uh, help us to respond as your children, those children bought with the price, to respond in faithfulness as peacemakers, to live out uh, that calling as your children, to be uh, peacemakers. Help us to make peace wherever there's brokenness tonight in each one of our lives. Help us to be bold, to have the right words to say, to say them in a, in a selfless spirit, in a spirit that is uh, desirous of reconciliation, to be able to take the plank out of our own eye, to be able to um, pursue, pursue the difficult process of reconciliation, however long it goes. How, help us, Heavenly Father, to help each other, to, to, to give a, a wise counsel and not merely uh, uh, to, to, to stir up the conflict as we listen to each other's pains and difficulties and suffering. Help us, Heavenly Father, to be your instruments for your peace. Uh, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.